I have a special treat for you today. My dear, sweet, amazing client, Catherine Zinkina, who runs the Manifestation Babe account, had me on her podcast recently, and I wanted to share that episode with you today. There are so many stories and um, beautiful pieces of, I want to say, puzzle pieces um, that are really, really useful for people in their relationship with money, how they're engaging with business manifestation, but specifically around the manifestation and experience of money. And I want to share this episode with you guys today because it's been on my heart even more than ever to be more consistent with stories because what I've learned through my personal experience just as a human being, but also especially as someone who's um, been practicing rapid resolution therapy in my business for years now, stories have medicine. Stories open people up. Stories um, soften wounds. Stories remove stingers that once caused us discomfort or pain. Stories expand vision. Stories um, ignite and excite. And I wanted to share this episode with you because I don't think that everyone from my audience has heard it yet. And I think that that is such an injustice. There's so many good stories in here that are so useful to people in their journey, useful around the idea of perseverance and um, healing and manifestation, but specifically not just manifestation to get, but manifestation to satisfy. And we know the difference, right? The manifestation to get where the, the excitement of it doesn't last long after it, but the um, the manifestation to satisfy are the experiences where we can still reminisce upon something that had happened years ago and still feel the satisfaction lingering in the present. So I want to share this episode with you guys today. Um, please go over if you haven't subscribed to the Manifestation Babe podcast, do that Um, As soon as you're finished with this episode, we'll link all of that in the show notes for you guys and um, definitely enter Catherine's world if you're not already in it. And without further ado, enjoy this beautiful co-creation between Catherine and I. December 25th, 2018, it was our first Christmas in our new million dollar home. I checked all the boxes that promised me real freedom. I had a booming business, reaping fans, money, assets, and yeah, I was still sitting there on the couch pretending that I was watching that Christmas movie with my family while I was choking down the poison of anxiety. I still felt like that desperate kid who would take her clothes off for money, the kid who nearly overdosed to try to prove her worth to her friends, the kid that got pregnant at 19. I felt stuck, like I was stuck the sands of time. I did all the right things, all the things that promised me freedom, and it didn't add up. I realized a few things. I was still checking someone else's box. This was going to be an inside job, and I would do whatever it took 
to never feel that way again. Consider this podcast the rebranded, revamped, cool-ass version of Alternative School. Alternative School for the Unruly Entrepreneur. This is for the innovators, the creators, the world changers, the service-minded, and those who want the details on how to create a business that really, truly, finally, fucking sets you free. I'm your host, Andrea Crowder, and welcome to the Unruly Entrepreneur Podcast. Let's go to the show. Oh my God, you guys, I have my coach, my personal coach, Andrea Crowder, finally join us on the podcast. How are you, Andrea? I'm so glad you're here. I feel like I want to like re-intro and be like, well, you're like my personal coach too. (laughs) (laughs) I remember like we've been having sessions since what? April, May of this year. Spring, yeah. And it was, I swear to God, sometimes Andrea is talking about something that pertains to like, obviously whatever we're working on. And then my mind will go and channel a whole other thing that also needs to happen at the same time. And I just look at Andrea and I'm like, Andrea, I know this has nothing to do with what you just said, but I just got so much clarity about this other thing. And one of those moments was like, I literally stopped you and I'm like, do you want to come on the podcast? And you're just like (laughs) mid-sentence. You're like, yeah, like, great. Perfect. You're coming on the podcast. Um, it's like eight episodes of content to talk about. I feel like at least. Oh my God. I know. I don't like, preparing for this episode. I'm like, I don't even know where to start, but we're just going to start somewhere. We're just going to go somewhere. So you are trained in rapid resolution therapy. You're a business coach. You're a marketing genius. You're a nervous system expert. You've built a whole brand around the unruly entrepreneur, which I was just listening to one of your programs. And you literally said like how the inspiration behind that came in. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's amazing. I literally just wrote that in my notes. But before all of this, you were my idol in Beachbody. (laughs) It's just so crazy to think about. Like the fact that I used to watch and listen to every training I could possibly get my hands on that had to do with you and Beachbody. The fact that I used to stalk your Instagram and see how you posted about Shakeology and all the workouts. And I'm like, man, She's like my secret upline and she doesn't even know it. And it's hilarious that now you're my coach and we're friends. And like the way that the universe unfolded for both of us and this relationship between us is unreal. The funny part is I didn't even know that you knew who I was. And I was like, manifestation, babe, she's so cool. (laughs) And then I DM'd you. I think we like started talking about breast implant illness. And then you're like, yeah, yeah, I know who you are. And I was like, how? <laughs> like just oh so my god. Shy. Well, I've known you since I was 21 years old and now I'm 30. So it's been oh it's been god. a journey. It's been a long journey. Wow, we've gone through some shit together. Well, I do want to say I was thinking about Beachbody today because I was like I didn't know where we were going to start or what we're going to talk about, but I do remember like a pivotal moment. Like everything I do stands for freedom, like inner and external freedom. That's all I care about. It's all I think about. It's all I dream about. Like I wake up with business ideas and just like ways to create more freedom. And, but the reason that that is, is because somebody called me out when I was in Beachbody 
This girl messaged me. I was trying to get her to join my team. And she sent me a private message on Facebook. And she said, if this is what your version of freedom is, I don't want it. Because what she saw was me promoting this like idea of freedom, meaning like location freedom, financial freedom and stuff with Beachbody. But um, but I was not living freedom. I was living jail and bondage because I was just working and stressed and everything was like the next point, the next dollar, the next rank, the next this. And that was such a pivotal moment for me where I just needed somebody, a complete stranger to just call me on my bullshit because I didn't even realize that I was doing that. I was just in this like unconscious motion trying to get somewhere that I didn't even know where that was anymore. And I wasn't living in integrity with the thing that was the most important, important to me. So that was like a moment where I just stopped everything. And I was like, I'll never let myself be out of alignment or out of integrity with my values ever again. Oh my God. That is so powerful. I know exactly what you're talking about because I remember thinking that freedom just meant that I didn't have to like get in my car and go to a job. I could just open my computer, Mm -hmm. but I was working like I was taking nonstop. I was taking full-time credits in college over full-time working almost a full-time job and doing Beachbody. And so it was like nonstop. And at the same time, I'm posting on the internet, like create a business of freedom. Look at how much freedom (laughs) I have. And I'm just like in my room on my computer, hustling my little face off. So I know exactly what you're talking about. I have heard bits and pieces of your story, just kind of like stringing them together based on like different times in your life. But I don't know exactly, like, I know you were a stripper at some point. Like, mm-hmm. how did you come into network marketing? Like, how did you, at what point did you realize that like there, you can make money online and like, this is what you wanted to do? Well, I'll take you back to 2002 when I was a stripper and give you guys a little bit of the backstory. Number one, it just is, always makes a good story. Yeah, it does. <laughs> we were like, this is interesting. <laughs> so <laughs> I will not deny you. So 2002, I was a drug dealer, a stripper. Uh, I was doing a tremendous amount of coke and I was literally like fucking my soul away, basically. And for a false sense of power. And I remember one night, I went over to like, I'll use air quotes, like a friend's house, like none of the people in my life were like genuine friends. But I remember going over to a friend's house and we were all just getting high as hell. And I was out of Coke and I wanted more. And there was this guy that was sitting across the table from me. And in this moment of just being like blown out of my mind, I had this insane moment of sobriety when he said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah my homie's just getting out of jail for killing that dude like five years ago. And in my head, I was like five years ago. And he mentioned his name. I'm not going to mention his name on the podcast. <laughs> and um, I was like, wait, I'll say his first name. He goes Raymond. And I was like, wait, Raymond. And in my head, I was doing math. And I was like, five years ago, Raymond, no way. <laughs> and he, I look at him and I was like, Raymond, Raymond, so-and-so. And he's like, yeah, you know him. And I was like, well, that dude isn't dead. And that dude is my dad. And he looked at me and he, (gasps) his mouth just dropped. And he looks down at all the cocaine that he's just chop, chop, chopping in front of himself. And he takes the board that he's chopping it on and just slides it across the table slowly and looks at me and he goes, have as much as you want. And I did 
more cocaine that night than I had ever done in my life. I don't know how I survived. It took me 25 hours to sleep it off. So when I was 14, five years ago, I was 19 at the moment. When I was 14, my stepdad got shot in a gang initiation. This 14-year-old kid came in with a sawed-off shotgun, stole like four, 20 or $40 and then a carton of cigarettes, shot my stepdad, almost killed him. The, the bullet was the width of three playing cards. So if you had like three aces, that was how far it was away from my stepdad's heart. And so um, the kid that he was talking about was the same young child that came in and shot him for this, in order to get into this gang. And um, I remember waking up after 25, well, a few days later, waking up after about like 25, I say a few days, it could be a few weeks. It's all blurred at this point. I was definitely Mm -hmm. like a drug addict, (laughs) but I remember waking up and all of a sudden my boobs hurt and I was like, Oh, this isn't good. (laughs) So I texted my friend who had a teenage pregnancy and I was like, is this a thing that happens when you um, are pregnant? And she goes, Andrea, you better not be. (gasps) And I walked into a grocery store. I had no money at the time. So I I was a broke stripper (laughs) spending all my money on Coke. And I remember just grabbing a pregnancy test and like, acting like I just owned the place, grabbed the pregnancy test, went into the bathroom at the grocery store, stole the test, took it by myself in a dark, cold, dreary bathroom that looked like hospital lights and looking down at that test and seeing the two lines. And I was like, oh, fuck. (laughs) In that moment, obviously the best possible thing in the world could have happened to me, which is my son saved my life. Like, I swear to you, he was in like soul form and he's like, someone tag me in. This bitch is going down. (laughs) We try to keep giving her all the signs. She's missing all of them. She's ruining her life. Like tag me in. I'm going in guys. (laughs) That's like literally how I picture him in like soul form, just like ready to just like dive off of a diving board into my uterus. And, um, you know, that was a moment where I realized like, okay, I have more than me to live for at this point. And I remember after my son was born, he was really colicky at a hard time latching. I got mastitis. I was like so sick and he was crying and I was crying. It was like a 2 a.m. feeding. I'm rocking him back and forth. And as like his face is covered with his tears as he's trying to latch, can't eat. I know he can relate to this. Then I'm crying. He can't latch. He can't eat. And I just felt like I was like the worst in the worst fucking condition to be a mom. I didn't know how I was going to take care of my kid. I was making $5.75 an hour and I looked down at him and I saw like my tears now blending with his tears. I don't even know whose tears are whose anymore. And I just stared at him in the face and I said aloud, I said through like my ugly crying, I promise you that I will become a woman that you can be proud of someday. And even though Beachbody didn't come into my life for a really long time after that, it was like little things started stacking of like sending me in the right direction. These lessons, these opportunities, career opportunities that were starting to like teach me, you know, um, just increasing my skills, my confidence. And then when network marketing came into my life, 
I remember my biggest goal, the biggest goal that I could dream of when I first started was $250 a month to be able to pay my student loan bills. Hmm. And I used to say like, dream big. And then I remember like, that's not actually how I got started. I had to dream so small, small enough to get started. Yeah. And once I got started, I was willing to let the dream grow. So if you haven't started anything today, I say dream small enough to just fucking get started. Oh, I love and that. And let the dream grow. But that was really the moment where I was like, now I had this place to channel like that was built off of personal development, like always improving yourself where I could create the, the personality, the identity that I wanted my children to grow into a life that I really actually wanted them to duplicate, whether it was in entrepreneurship or not, but something that really gave them genuine freedom. Because at that time, my husband and I were arguing if he spent two, you know, $2 and 50 cents on a Mountain Dew coming home. Like everything was a fight over money. And, you know, money, of course, was like the bit, the first thing, like, let me see if I can give us a little bit of an extra cushion, a little bit of extra piece. And then it became so much more like everything that my brand stands for today really was created based off of like how I want to feel in my body and what I like the legacy that I want my children to be able to grow into. Oh my God. I got so emotional. I mean, especially with the the whole latching thing. I know there's a tab still open there. I just realized I'm like, oh my <laughs> God, that moment, those days, oh, yeah. still look back at them because it's just, I mean, you don't know what that feeling is until you've been through it. But like hearing all that other, all those other parts of your story, just, whoa, Andrea, no wonder I love you so much. Like you've been through, you've created so much magic. And when you said like, I remember asking you in a session, I'm like, Andrea, when are these programs and patterns just going to stop? Like, I just want them to go away. And she's like, Catherine, like, or, or like, why did I have to live through such a past in order to create, have all these programs running my unconscious? And you're like, Catherine, thank God it made us so hungry. And I see everything through that perspective now where I'm like, oh my God, thank God it made me so hungry. It's very easy for me to motivate myself to keep creating so much abundance in my life because I've had such a stark contrast in the past. And like just hearing your story, it just brings such unbelievable appreciation for everything that you stand for and everything that you teach today and how you coach people. It's just so, so beautiful to witness. But going off of like Beachbody, you've been in it for a little while. Like how many years did you do it? Like, I know you, you achieved so many ranks. I remember seeing you speak on stage. Like I was your fan girl and you didn't even know it. <laughs> and, um, and like, how did you get out of Beachbody? Cause I remember my journey realizing one day that I just didn't want to help people just lose weight anymore. I, I wanted to help people in such bigger ways. Not that like one is better than another, but I just knew that there's so much more for me. And I remember that journey being really scary because I'm like, oh my God, this is the only form of business that I know. This is the only skill set that I have in Mm -hmm. marketing and putting myself out there in the online space. Oh my God, if it's not Beachbody, then what is it? Like, what did that (laughs) journey look like for you? Well, I'll start with saying that I'm not out of Beachbody. I still sell Beachbody products like every, I, because I still use them. I just had shake all this morning. (laughs) I love it. I'm like, I'm going to get through like the end of COVID so much faster because of Shakeology. I just like know that. (laughs) I love it. I did not know this. So well in Beachbody is because I, I was always truly a genuine fan. I still use their fitness programs. I've been like, today is my six week, um, 
cutoff date for my surgery. I had a tummy tuck in uh, November and um, today's the first day that I can exercise again. You bet your sweet ass in a couple hours, I'm going to go turn on a beach body workout. <laughs> I mean, they're so, such good workouts and the beach body on demand. It, it makes it so easy. I totally agree with you. Honestly, like drop a link. I bet you still have one, <laughs> but like surely like, um, Autumn's what was shit? What is the name of it? Calories. Oh, yeah. uh, 21 day fix. Then there's it's the the later one. It's like the. It's the super hard one. I can't think of the name of the, it. The like, one with the weights? Like it's her intense weight the training? The bands. The bands. Fuck, I don't know, man. Anyways, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, GMB and I'll tell you what one it is. I still have a little bit of like COVID brain. But um, yeah, like I do that 30 minute. It's meant to be like one of the sample workouts. I do that 30 minute workout like five times a week. I'm telling you, I have like the best foot ever. I'm like newly to the dating world again. And I feel great about my ass. Like I'm telling you, I still like, I'm truly, I will always be a beach body fan. <laughs> so you'll still see me drop links to the products. I'm just like not out there like growing a team and like doing all yeah. the stuff that I used to, but like, I will love Beachbody. I will, I will sing Beachbody's praises for the, for the products and for the opportunity until the day I die, because network marketing is like a business in a box. It taught me all of the fundamental things that you need to grow a business without me having to be like an offer creator. Right. And once I had that, like sales and marketing training, and then the leadership, like, wow, people being able to sign up for 39.95 and now they're you're responsible, so to speak for them and figuring out how to like genuinely like cause energy and motivation into someone's body, not just so that you can go up and rank, but so that they can get what they want. That was such like a baptism by fire experience. And I will always be so grateful. I would literally not be the person that I am today if I had not started with Beachbody. I know that with my whole soul. So I'm still a huge believer in like all network marketing opportunities, as long as they're legal, of course. And um, <laughs> I think it's such a great place to start. So if that's where you guys are, like high fucking five. And I did that for eight years straight, nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I hold on. I did it from... I did it full time for just two years, but I know what you're talking about because like, I think my account is still open. I'm actually not sure um, because I've since delegated all the money stuff to my husband. I used to be the money, the money queen in terms of like tracking, you know, what's coming from what, what's going where. And then one day I just like woke up and I was like, can I just be the manifester and you be like the manager? And he's like <laughs> done. And that teamwork has worked yeah. so well for us. So I know exactly what you mean by that. And they are such phenomenal products, but this is not a podcast about Beachbody, you guys, but like, <laughs> I just want to show you like where we, where we came from. And yeah. also Beachbody is what gave me the practice to like yeah. literally getting on a zoom and teaching people manifestation principles and yep. getting used to getting some weird looks here and there. Like, what is this crazy bitch talking about? But like, being confident and certain in it and being like, you guys, you want, you want to sell more challenge packs? Okay. You got to visualize it. All right. Like, yep. Yep, same. It, it, it was just, oh, I remember. And then I remember one day like waking up in 2016, early 2016 and being like, wait a second, I could do just manifestation without Beachbody? 
no way, this is amazing. So that's like, that's where I went off the deep end with Manifestation Bay. But I love that you're still doing it. Um, but here's what I want to say about that. Like there's what? such an interesting, like contrasting conversation that happens in the online world about the coaching industry versus network marketing. Mm, go into that. Eventually your payment plans for the, for coaching stop. So if you stop working, if you stop selling, eventually six months, 12 months, whenever like your longest yep. payment plan is done, you don't earn any more money. The network marketing opportunity could be an income stream for life. It really could. It's so, so. true. I know some people in another um, network marketing company who are making between three to 5 million. I don't remember the exact number every single year, just yeah. from the work that they did literally like 10 years ago. Yep. So, I mean, I don't make that much, but I still make a nice little six figure income and like, <sighs> I'm all upset about that. And I could, I could will that to my children. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. So what people know you for nowadays, you know, Mm -hmm. aside from Beachbody, um, is (laughs) the coaching that you do today, the work that you do today. I really, I really, I know you don't call yourself this, but you are literally one of the best money mindset coaches I know. Like your perspective on money and wealth consciousness is it blows my mind. Every single day, I listen to something you say, and I'm like, "What the fuck? Why didn't I think of it like that before?" And I'll literally consult Andrea. Like this morning, I'm like, "All right, one of my students is asking this question. (laughs) How would you answer this question?" And I just, I I love your perspective is so refreshing, and I know so much of it in the last year, especially, has come from a modality that you and I now preach every day because we've experienced so much magic um, through it, which is rapid resolution therapy. How did you discover rapid resolution therapy? Um, We're just going to call RRT for short because I get exhausted saying rapid resolution therapy like 10 times in a row. Um, Like what was, I know you had like a moment Mm -hmm. that led you to this modality that, that massively shifted your life. And now you literally are like best friends with the creator and the founder, Dr. John Connolly. And you're just like trying to funnel as many people through that modality as possible. Like, tell me how that unfolded and why you love it so much. It's like all I care about now. Okay. Before really I answer is. that question, <laughs> you guys, can we like just pause and notice that like Catherine's entire brand is on money mindset? And anyone else would have never sat there and said, like, you are one of the best in the industry and money mindset when that's her entire multiple seven figure brand. That is why I love working with you so much is you like your ego is just left off of the table. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't enter the conversation. You are one of the most pure, genuine people, genuine people that I know on this planet. So I just wanted to like, stop and say that like your, your level of living abundance, you practice what you preach at a higher level than almost anyone I've ever met. Oh, thank you. I received that. Thank you so much. Which speaks obviously to your money mindset. (laughs) (laughs) More for you, more for me. That's how it works. Yes. More (laughs) plus more plus more equals always more more. up and up and up. up We all go. Yes. 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 Okay. So now that we're done, like spoon feeding each other delicious compliments and people are so grossed out and they're like, oh, get on with it. What, what do I need to know? Okay. I got you. Okay. So here's how I found RRT. This is another really, really great story. Um, great because there was a really happy ending to this. So my daughter called me when I was over to friend's house and I pick up the phone and my husband and I are over there. I've like just started on my first drink, but barely had a few sips. And, um, 
I pick up the phone and I can't tell if she's laughing. And I just hear like a lot of noise coming from the phone. So I walk away from where all the noise is. We're all standing outside or on a fire pit. It's the vibe. And I walk away so that I can hear her a little bit better. And I now realize she is not laughing. She is screaming. And now instantly my body is in mama bear fight or flight mode. Something's happened. My baby's screaming. I don't know if somebody's like trying to murder my kid. I don't know if she just broke her leg. I have no idea what's happening. All I know is that she's screaming to the point where I cannot understand her words other than mom help. And of course, I don't care what she's saying. She's screaming and therefore I'm on my way to the car. I'm going to help, right? So I look at my now ex-husband and I say to him, <clears throat> um, something's wrong. We got to go now. And if you guys know me, I'm a Virgo. I'm a very, very, very chill personality. Virgo, sun, Libra, Libra, moon, meaning like I don't overreact. So if I'm coming to you and I'm saying to you with like a loud amount of like Virgo authority saying we need to go now, get your motherfucking ass up. <laughs> Wait, what's your rising sign? Taurus. Okay. <laughs> I got a lot of bossiness in there and then that Libra balances me out. <laughs> um, so my ex looks at me and then I just assume he's following me because why would you not? <laughs> and um, I get into the car, I turn around and I look and I was like, where the fuck is he? So he apparently kept his ass like sitting right where it was finished his drink, and then moseyed to the car. I don't know what was happening in my unconscious mind. There was not a lot of logic still working at this point. I was in total fight or flight. I got to get to my offspring. Something's wrong. And something made me think it would be more useful for whatever is coming next to have him. Again, I still don't know if like somebody's hurting her. Mm -hmm. And as he starts moseying to the car, now I'm screaming, get the fuck in the car. We gotta go now. He walks a little faster. <laughs> so what you guys don't know is that this was in 2020. My ex was going through extreme PTSD, extreme, like nothing about how he was living at that point was rational. Like the man that I married, the man that I spent the majority of my life with from being like a teenager on. And at this point, this is probably like, I don't know, 16 years in or something like that, um, was someone who would have responded as you, as I did, like something's wrong with our kid. We go fast. We go now. Right. Mm -hmm. He would have. And this, so the fact that he's not says that there's a lot of things not firing off properly. So he was um, a military service member, extreme PTSD, a lot of trauma, some like the worst of the worst he saw it. So he's not responding in the way that I want him to. He slides into the car and then he starts yelling at me when we realize that it's a panic attack saying that it's my fault, that she's having a, pa a panic attack. In the moment, I still, I'm like, she's could be at the top of the stairs. She could be re getting ready to like faint, fall down the stairs. Like, I don't know. She's still screaming and hyperventilating. And he goes, he's yelling at me. And then he's saying, um, He's saying, pull over the car, let me drive. I'm like, motherfucker, you're drunk. <laughs> I've had like a sip. There's not, and, and 
above all else, it doesn't even matter. At that point, there's nothing keeping me from my baby. Yeah. And there's no way I was going to slow down. And um, so he says, he's now yelling at me and my daughter goes, mommy, please don't slow down. I mute the phone. I look at him and I say, if you don't shut the fuck up, I'm going to slow down, push you out and you can figure your own way out home. And he like, I was ready to push this grown six one man out of my rolling Mercedes, you guys, and put it back straight into sport plus mode and get home to my kid. First time I ever got to use sport plus mode. And I was like, we're going to see how fast mommy's car can go. So I'm like getting, I'm rolling into my driveway. The seatbelt has already come off and I'm almost running out of the car before it's fully in park. And now I look over at him and it's like, he's looking back at me like we're racing, but competing. And I was like, what is happening? But still nonetheless, like I'm blocking him out. I'm just getting to my kid. She's now on the floor, hyperventilating, cannot stop. And he's yelling at her saying, oh, fine. If you can't calm down, I'll just call the ambulance. And now she's feeling like she's getting in trouble. So now I'm even more fucking mad. I'm like, you are escalating the situation. You're like, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. Get the fuck out. Like so furious at this point. So again, going back to the fact that everything that's happening from him, he's in a trauma response, but I just can't give a fuck. Mm -hmm. In the moment, all I know is I'm angry because he is in between me and helping my child. And like your mind is meant to prioritize life unless it's your offspring and mind will prioritize offspring over self and also spouse. (laughs) So he starts driving us to the hospital and now he's going like 80 miles an hour in a 20, but he's doing it like trying to like jar her out of her panic attack, but in the most useless way possible. And that's all I could think about is like, he's only trying to make this worse. It felt like that was his intention. Yeah. That was the byproduct of what was happening based off of our response. But we finally get to her to the hospital. They get her calmed down. They get her on um, some um, anti-anxiety medicine to like calm everything down so we can sort out. And then Um, not very long after that, maybe like a few months later, my husband, um, tells me one day that he is mad because the neighbors are keeping him up. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, the neighbors had music going on at three o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, how fucking rude. You should have knocked on their door and said, what the hell is going on? It's a Tuesday. Like, (laughs) and then I realized as the day went on, he's like, listen, the music again. And he's hearing things that aren't actually happening. And I was like, oh, okay. At first I was like, did his clear audience channel like blow open? Is he like hearing like the 5G? Like, of course, that's where my dumb brain just went first. (laughs) Not realizing he actually had taken so much of his prescription pill medication that he put himself into a schizophrenic break. I didn't sleep for like three days trying to make sure that he didn't get in the car and go drive into people and things that were not existing. He was laying in our bed pushing me over to make room for dead people that were sitting in our bed in the middle of the night. I can't make this up. It was like, 
awful, awful. I probably have some RRT to do around that. <laughs> um, he was literally like talking about me, like my personality to my soul, like looking up here, like she never listens to me about anything. I'm like sitting here right here. I'm like, really bad. Like, but he's talking to me about me. I don't really know what to do. I'm not qualified for this. <laughs> so he goes into, um, he gets forced into not forced, but chose treatment in order to get himself out of a, um, a cycle that he was in. I had to put him in because I couldn't sleep. I was going on like almost three days of nearly no sleep to make sure he didn't kill himself or other people. Um, and he said that he would do whatever it took to get out of the psych hold. And he went into treatment for about 60 days. And after he got out of treatment, he, I picked him up, we're driving home and he looks at me and he goes just very casually. You okay. And I just lost it. And I was like, I am not okay. You need to know that I am like, I have one thread left and I'm like going off this hill. And cause I was like launching a second company at the time. Like I had to then launch enough like digital products to pay out of pocket for his treatment because the military mm -hmm. doesn't actually pay for useful treatment. So I had to come up with an extra $50,000 literally out of nowhere <laughs> to get him into that treatment and also take care of my kids and also deal with like my business partner dropped out at the last second. Like literally my whole life felt like it crumbled. I was like on the edge. And I remember saying like, I need help. And even though I was doing all the things like the breath work, I was moving the energy. I was doing scream and rage therapy and this and that. And, um, but it would help it would help me cope. Mm -hmm. And that was the thing that I couldn't live like that anymore. It was like waking up every day to move pain and pressure in order for me to get back into my purpose. The first two hours of my day was spent moving pain, moving pressure so that I could get into purpose mm. and, um, and take care of my kids and keep my kids alive. Like my daughter was suicidal through all of this. I'm telling you guys, like my whole world was burning down. So I walk into this therapist's office, Wayne Brown, who you know and love, mm -hmm. and he looks at me and I was like, okay, my husband's come out of therapy and I'm holding on to this rage towards him, even though he is like, I love you. Like you walk on water, you like saved my life, this and that. Like he's like putting me on this pedestal of this wife that he's so grateful for treating me with like so much like love and tenderness and appreciation. And yet I cannot let go of the rage, even though consciously I, I didn't want it anymore. And he looks at me and he's like, so you want to clear the rage? And I said, yeah, that's why I'm here. And he goes, no, check in. Would it be really okay if you weren't angry anymore? And I was like, that's why I'm here. Hello. Is this thing on? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. And he goes, no, just like humor me. Just, just check. Yeah. So I took a moment and I was like, okay, let me just close my eyes. And I checked in with like my knowingness and I looked back at him and I was like, oh fuck. No, it's not okay. And he goes, why is that? And I said, because I need this anger to keep my baby safe. Mm. And he said, I totally understand your priorities to keep your child safe. 
would it be more useful or yes, less useful to, for you to have more strategy when you need to keep your baby safe? I said more useful. And he said, would it be more or less useful to have more intuition when you need to keep your baby safe? I said more. I said, would it be more useful or yet less useful for you to have more and longer lasting energy in order to keep your baby safe? I said more. And he went on and just kept asking me these questions. And then he said, let me tell you what happens when your body's angry. When your body's angry, blood starts leaving the brain. Body makes the job very strong so that you can bite very hard, but it makes brain very dumb. Do you find it more useful or yet less useful for you to feel dumb when you're trying to keep your baby safe? And I said, less useful. Did I say that right? Anyways, less useful to feel dumb. (laughs) And (laughs) um, he goes, so would it be okay you weren't angry anymore so that you could be more strategic, have more energy, have more intuition, more focus, more creativity? And I said, yes, I want to let, I want that anger to be gone. And within 60 minutes, he's like, okay, do this, like make this abstract sign, do this thing. Like, look at your hand like this, blah, blah, blah. Take a breath in. Take a breath in, (laughs) take the word release, pick an animal. And I was like, what the fuck are we doing here? Literally. (laughs) I'm rolling with it because I'll do any weird thing. And he's at the end of it. And he goes, okay, take a nice deep breath. Now check for the anger. And I scan my body and I'm telling you if like Ed McMahon or whatever his name in walked in and was like, I'm going to give you this million dollar check. If you can just feel that rage one more time. (laughs) I couldn't have, I would have been like, Ed, you got to keep that check. Like I can't, I can't accept it because I cannot feel it when previous to me walking in the second that I thought about it, I could have caused it on demand. It was gone. And I looked at this how old is Wayne? Like 65 or something I don't like know. That. Something like that. He's always going to be like 60 in my head. We'll just like leave it at that. Yeah. This like 60, like tall, slender, like white hair, just very like scholar looking, but super cool. Like um, awesome, awesome guy. And he, I look at him and I go, what the fuck did you just do to me? <laughs> <laughs> and he laughed and he grabbed this book and he slid it over to me. And he goes, read this. And he introduced me to RRT. He gave me the book, um, Life-Changing Conversations by Dr. John Connolly. And I started reading through all of the different stories of the cases that Dr. Connolly had worked on. And I realized like I was not a singular event. I was the norm. And Mm -hmm. everything that I ever thought that I knew about the healing industry was all focused around coping. Mm-hmm. And what they just did was they just cleared any reason to ever need to cope again around that one individual topic in minutes. And I was mind blown. And there, that was, became my new cocaine. I do have a very addictive personality. I will not deny that. I just use all of my energy. for good. I so relate to that addiction, by the way, I'm like an obsessive certification training, like collector. It's just, if, Mm -hmm. if, if my house, like if every training, every certification I ever took actually was like a metal or a trinket or something like a collectible, I would have a house 
filled with them. It would be a problem. Like you would call hoarders on me. (laughs) Thankfully, you can't really see that. It's all in the unconscious and conscious mind. But I so relate to that addiction. And it's like, once you find something that works for you, you want to like shake other people. You want to be like, there is a better way. Like I watch TV now or movies or documentaries or just have conversations with people. And I'm just like, I, you need RRT. I literally text people now. Like I have mom groups and stuff when any issue they come up with, they're like, I'm really struggling processing my birth trauma. I'm like, there's this guy, you need RRT. (laughs) Here's the link. And it's like, some of them take me up on it and they're literally mind blown. Just absolutely their mind is blown to pieces. And then I still have people who are like, okay, okay, I'll do it. And it's like, they're still not doing it. And I'm like, ma'am, you need to understand (laughs) (laughs) your life (laughs) will be completely changed. It will be completely removed, cleared. The trauma will not exist. And I think that a lot of people just have a hard time believing it because I understand. We, I understand too. It's because yeah. we have so many coping mechanisms. It's yeah. like, I need to learn how to cope with my anxiety. People cannot even fathom that you could actually live anxiety free. And I do every single, you guys, like I used to be that person that I woke up every single day before my heat, my feet hit the floor. I would have the racing thoughts and I was just always like backing myself back off the ledge. Let me tell you an interesting story. I don't know if I've even told you this yet is I just, um, I bought some sessions with Dr. Connolly for my dad, who is a veteran who is, um, special forces in the army. So this is the guy that would have the beard that would kick the doors in that would have to make decisions as far as like women and children, whether they died or lived and like the most awful decisions in the whole life that a human that just wants to help should never have to live with. And he was suffering, suffering for years, which became a drinking problem as one would honestly expect. If I went through that, I would be a drunk too. I totally understand like everything that like I don't understand. And like, I understand in my, in my, as far as my level of pain that I've been able to endure and they have endured exponentially more. And I had like abusive childhood. Like I said, stepdad was shot in a gang initiation, like crazy shit happened as a child. Um, not related to my dad, by the way. Um, but these guys have just endured so much more than that. Like the worst humanity has to offer. Mm -hmm. And then they're just walking the world, trying to fit back into society. So it's the most logical thing that you could actually think of for these people to become addicts because it's their way of alleviating and coping with some of the pain, not all of it, some of it. Yep. So, um, he, I called him to check on him and we do like FaceTimes pretty often. My dad loves to send me those like Marco Polos. It's like getting a 30 minute voicemail. You guys, I love my dad to death. And I know someday I'm going to be so grateful for all these videos, but I feel like these 30 minute voicemails, dad, it's like so much, but, <laughs> but he just like wants somebody to like listen to him and talk to him. And I'm, I'm asking him like, but how are you doing with like, you know, the drinking, like he just got out of treatment. He went to treatment for veterans and I was like, are you integrating well? Like what modalities were they using? And he's like, I have not had a drink, but I think about it every night mm-hmm. and he just wasn't free. Like he was making choices that were ultimately good for him in the long run, but he was 
owned by it still. Like he yeah. wasn't free. Like internally, he's still an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. In his mind, he's still drinking. Absolutely. Because the desire is so still deep in there. And I thought to myself, well, wait a second. When I was going through my divorce, I had Dr. Connolly literally, he turned the desire to try to like rekindle this relationship, even though it was emotionally and then therefore physically becoming really bad for me. He turned the desire off. Like I couldn't feel appeal towards going back in that relationship anymore. It was gone. He took that dial and it was just turned all the way down to a zero. And I was like, well, that must be how he does it when he works with addicts because he's world renowned for the work that he does with addicts. And I said, dad, what's one food in this world that you hate? Like you get a disgusting feeling around it when you think about it. And he said, liver. And I was like, imagine if alcohol had the same appeal as liver. He said, that would be the best thing ever. And I said, that's what RRT can do. And he goes, you know, I never understood what my daughter did until today. (laughs) (laughs) And I got him on Dr. Connolly's calendar and he didn't, he didn't re-anchor the appeal to alcohol to liver. He anchored it to drinking a a beer filled filled with a bum's pee. (laughs) (laughs) Got creative all on its own (laughs) as Dr. Connolly does. And my dad came off and he was so excited because when he closed his eyes and he thought about taking that sip, it was as appealing as drinking piss. Oh my God. Fucking session. This man has been suffering for decades. And how is he today? Since then? Yeah. Yeah. I just talked to him yesterday before yesterday. More Marco Polo's. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Luckily, we halted on Marco Polo's for a little while. My nervous system was panicking a little. I couldn't keep up, you guys. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is this is so, so incredible. Like I know exactly what you're talking about. Obviously, I didn't have any struggles with addiction or alcoholism or anything like that, but there's so many um, memories that I have that were plaguing me for so long that Dr. Connolly, just in one session, he tackled three memories where I'm like, I've tried everything to help me clear this on an unconscious level because I, you know, up until this point, I've known how the conscious and unconscious work and all that stuff. And I knew that it was just a program that was like deep in there that I just could Mm -hmm. not rewire for the life of me. Mm -hmm. And in one single session, somehow I, I forgot what I came to him with, but those three memories were related to it because he asked me like, when it was the first time, tell me another time, tell me another time. And I'm like, holy fuck, those are three memories that just created my entire identity up until today. My self-consciousness around my voice, around public speaking, around um, me being a horrible storyteller. Like when I work with you, you're like, what stories can you tell? I'm like, Andrea, I don't, I don't tell stories. I don't know what's, I don't have any stories. And you're like, what the fuck? You're probably like, what the fuck are you talking about? Everyone has stories. But in my mind, like I had a teacher write in red ink when I was 11 years old in sixth grade, you're a horrible storyteller. Like don't ever fucking try this again. And he just cleared it so fast. And since then it's been a month and I cannot tell you how much has shifted in my business from the work that we've done together because we also do RRT. Like it's pretty much all we do. And then as well as like other stuff, but it just, my life has 
the amount of motivation, the amount of inspiration, the amount of clarity that I have in my business is like what I came to you back in. I remember talking to you in March. Like I remember seeing a story, you were talking about something and it triggered something in my mind to go, I need to ask her what her one-on-one rates are because I want to work with her one-on-one. I never thought to in the past, but for some reason I feel really called to it. And it's just been such a game changer. I know there's like so many directions that we can go, but I really want to like go back to the money mindset stuff. Cause I want to give the listeners like some tangible, awesome shifts that you have given me and you give to your students and your clients, which is for example, um, you are really good at talking about like the barriers to wealth that people unconsciously create without even realizing that they're creating them. Like, for example, you did a reel not too long ago talking about how saying the words I deserve when it comes to like money or something else just is like a seemingly helpful statement, but unconsciously is actually repelling money and people don't realize that. Can you talk a little bit about that and maybe share some other barriers that people have to wealth that they don't know that they are creating? Like, for example, another one that comes up for me is like, you said that I can feel like absolute garbage and trash and still make a ton of money because I don't have to feel good in order to make money. So I know you're filled with so much gold when it comes to this. So please share it with us. Okay. So we'll start with the deservingness and we're going to loop in enoughness because these Perfect. two are, are just like rampant in like the mantra world of like, I am enough for blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I deserve blah, 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 blah. Cool. You can have one, but you can't have one without the other because of the law of polarity. So my thought is, is what if we just don't leverage either of them? Because when you look at what, when you look at them from the framework of, is this useful? You realize that a baby comes into this world and it never occurs to them to feel like, to, to uh, say like, do I deserve or am I enough? It doesn't occur. We don't come in with those thoughts. We just, we have urge, energy mm-hmm. and desire. And then we like ask or we cry or we, we make the noise until we get what it is that we need, want, desire. Mm-hmm. So somewhere along the way, the concept of deservingness and enoughness was introduced into our unconscious, but it was only for one reason. And that was to control behavior. And when I use the word control, a lot of people immediately associate with that as like a negative thing. We all kind of do it. I think thinking that it's best for our kids. I definitely did when I was younger. Cause I'm like, well, I want them to listen to me because I want them to stay safe. Right. And also because I want mommy's sanity to be preserved throughout this too. So it's like, you're going to be a really good boy if you go get that for mommy, right? Like (laughs) we've all done it. I'm totally guilty. I'm, I told my kids, the one thing I promised you is that I will fuck you up, but I will pay for the therapy. (laughs) So (laughs) you can always count on mommy for that bill to be covered no matter what. Um, so, but what if we look at it as like, okay, if those two things we didn't come in with, then they must not be required for life. And therefore, let's look through the lens of, does it still feel useful? Well, if I do deserve it sometimes, then that means sometimes I also don't. Mm -hmm. When no, it doesn't occur to you to say like, I'm thirsty or I want a cup of coffee or I want like something basic. It doesn't occur to you to say, do I deserve it? 
do I deserve the thing that I want to drink? Like, do I deserve to go to my, um, go into my kitchen and get a glass of water? Well, some kids don't have, some people don't have access to water. Why is it that I deserve it? And they don't, we're both human beings, right? So if I have access and I have urge, what does deservingness have to do with it? It never did. The only thing that ever mattered is, do I have the urge for it? And do I have access? Is it possible to get it? And if it's not possible to get it now, can I cause the possibility? Mm, So good. Yeah, that's it. That's all we need. Do I have urge? Do I have access now? And if I don't have access, can I cause access? That's it. Swipe that shit off the table. And then you have just eliminated deservingness and enoughness completely off the table when it comes to, um, manifesting urge access. If not, can I cause access? That's it. And then the feeling good. Do we need to feel good to manifest? We're manifesting all the time, whether we're manifesting intentionally or not is ultimately what I think people are trying to say in this conversation. Yeah. And What I want to say about manifestation is manifestation has to do with like your vibration. So if your vibration is sure or certain around a certain thing, then it doesn't matter if you're happy or sad because our sensations fluctuate all day long. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you're happy or sad. There's a lot of really miserable, rich ass people. Mm -hmm. So if now we're, again, we're just looking at evidence, what's factual. What can we look at? And the only time I look at what's truthful is if it's useful. I don't care if it's true unless it's useful. So if I just look at the evidence and I'm like, okay, it's true that there's really happy, rich people and there's really sad, rich people. So happiness and sadness, anger, um, resentment, all of those emotions and sensations are felt and sometimes are the dominant emotion in certain people. And yet all of these people are still really wealthy then doesn't matter what my sensation is in order to be wealthy. No, but it does matter how I feel about the money. Am I happy as a human being? Yes, I am. Or maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm mad at my husband. Maybe I'm mad at my business, but I can be mad at my business and my business can still funnel me buckets of cash. Two of my biggest launches, one of them, I was pregnant, eating Cheetos in bed, exhausted out of my fucking mind. And another one I got sick, but I didn't like actually get sick. You know how, you know, when you know, like you're about to get sick, that feeling like you're starting to come down with something, your throat is starting to act up a little bit. You're just like, fuck, I know I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning sick. I had that feeling for six weeks straight last year. I don't know what was going on, but it was like, I was, I was just keeping it at bay. And so I supplemented the fuck out of myself, but all my energy was gone. I didn't really, it didn't really manifest into anything else. But one of my launches, I spent the whole week in bed, literally from Monday to Friday, cart open to cart close. I was in bed with zero energy and the sales were pouring in. And a past version of myself would have been like, you got to be happy. You got to be excited. You got to be energized. You got to get on, you know, live. You got to make a reel. You got to make a photo. You got to smile. You got to feel grateful, feel joy, feel this, feel that. And I came to the realization that like, no, I like, just like you said, there's wealthy people who are absolutely fucking miserable and they have billions of dollars. So Mm -hmm. why do I have to only 
create this condition where only when I am feeling healthy or feeling happy or not pregnant or whatever it is that I would manifest these launches and attract students into my world who want to learn from me. Like it doesn't have to be a barrier. So I really love that you're talking about this because I feel like so much, so much in the manifestation world has been misconstrued and there's just so many teachers out there and so many teachings and like this stuff is so Googleable and there's so many books that it can get so overwhelming where my students come to me and they're like, I don't know, which one is it? Is it like, (laughs) which teaching is it, Catherine? And I think so much that I funnel through now, which is similar to like what you've taught me through your um, training in RRT. And now I'm being trained in RRT, which is like, okay, which one is the most useful? perspective, which one is the most useful belief or way of being that will actually cause energy in your body and cause this XYZ result. And if it's not useful for you to fake happiness when you're not feeling happy in order for you to manifest money. So why don't you (laughs) just come to the realization and create a belief that like you can make money no matter what it is that you're feeling. You don't have to feel good all the time. That's not helping anybody. It's not like like people say the word toxic positivity, for example, like that could be a form of toxic positivity. Um, There's also a, um, let me remember, it was something else that you said, oh yeah, we were having a conversation and you were on stage and there was a, a bunch of speakers at this event or one of the events that you were telling me about and how a lot of the speakers were really honing in this message around like, think about all the good things that you're going to be able to do with all the money that you have, like what a good person you'll be and how much you'll be able to share and give and donate and this and that. And how you came on stage with a very, very different message around how it shouldn't be that, well, you say it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. First, I also want to add like when it comes to like, how do you know if it's useful? And I just simply describe that as, does it make me feel stronger or weaker? Mm, Does it cause energy or does it weaken me? Does it activate me? Does it turn me on? Does it like, is there like a plus or is there a a positive charge or a negative charge? Yeah. If there's a positive, it feels useful. So does it, again, like we go back to like, which teachings are true? Who gives a fuck anymore? Because nobody, all the smartest people on the planet can't agree. Who cares anymore? I just want to be happy. Exactly. (laughs) Oh my God. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I do not care anymore. Oh, what a freedom. Okay. Yeah. So I went to this event and the event was, um, a very like, um, well, I'm not going to say that part because it doesn't even feel useful to say irrelevant, but the messaging was like, in order to cause people the motivation for them to work really hard, it was so that they could be like a great person by helping communities and like essentially giving it away Yeah, as if that's the only reason that we could possibly be motivated. And what I got on that stage, I literally like tossed my presentation at first, grabbed the mic. And I was like, I have a very different conversation that I want to have. And that is that I don't like this concept because it creates a barrier for you and money. And what I know to be true is that when we're making decisions rooted in fear of if I, um, if I 
don't make this money or if I make this money and I don't give it away, then I'm a bad person. Or if I don't make this money, then I didn't follow like God's will for me in my life. And like so much of it is rooted in pressure and fear. It's not sustainable. So imagine trying, imagine eating a donut for breakfast and then trying to run a marathon. People don't fuel their body that way. So that's fear. Fear fuels your body for very, very short distance runs. Mm -hmm. Literally, this isn't a metaphor. So like, if you're afraid you can run, like you get all of these sugars, um, released into your muscles so that you can run very fast for a very, very short period of time. So that's why people are hitting burnout because all these decisions that they're making in their business and their life, um, are rooted in fear Mm -hmm. and they're able to run really fast for short distances. And then they, this was me, I would describe myself as getting to the end of the year and I would be like sliding into the new year on my face on cement. (laughs) 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 I would have the most wicked road rash ever. So again, I go back to like, is this the most useful way of doing this? It's not sustainable. And can you ever do, can you ever really do that much good when it's all rooted in fear? No, because you're not even able to truly access your intuition. And I said, this was a, this was a community of people who were a little bit more on like the religious side. And I said, raise your hand if it would feel more useful. I started using Wayne's tactic. Then I was like, would it be more useful or less useful to be able to access your intuition and hear the still small voice of God and everybody raised their hand and they're like, of course. Right. So I went through the same process with them and I was like, Here's what happens when you're in fear. Same thing with anger, except for blood doesn't go to the jaw. Blood goes to arms and legs so you can run very fast, right? So I was like, I was like, you get really fast. You can run for very short distances, but you get very dumb. Yeah. <laughs> and you lose access to your intuition. And I was like, be weary of people who lead you with fear mm. because you cannot go very far. And then the audience stopped and they're like, oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah. Jaw on the floor. Fuck. (laughs) So if we don't want to make those decisions based in fear, then the question is, who cares if you're angry? Because, yes, you might like you might have a sensation of anger today and tomorrow it might be joy and the next day it might be gratitude. But you can actually hold two emotions at the same time. I can be grateful and pissed in the same moment. I can be grateful that my money's rock solid. I can be pissed that I had an argument with so-and-so today and I can hold them both. We have the ability to hold the duality of both in our hands. So what I want to know is, was the decision rooted in fear or love? Was the decision rooted in pressure or pleasure? And so even though not every single day I feel amazing, like I'm recovering from COVID, I did a fast, like quick and dirty, I don't know, like $15,000 launch over the weekend while I was in COVID just sitting in bed. And I was like, I think these people need to regulate. Everybody looks super stressed. I'm telling you, COVID was like the time of my life. I shouldn't say that. (laughs) I just had like the longest nap. And when I was awake, I felt like I was two glasses of wine in because I was like, I'm not going to resist COVID. I'm just going to, I'm like, dance with me, baby. Let's go. I made one with COVID. Like we fucking merged. <laughs> I feel like having your house burned down just prepared you for so many Anything. circumstances in life where you're just like, fuck it. Let's dance. Let's vibe. Anything. Anything. So even though I wasn't feeling like all this energy, I wasn't feeling like super creative. I couldn't even get into a state of creativity. I could not access my intuition. My brain was just too foggy and thick. 
But what I knew for sure was I was like, well, if I just post these couple of things, literally maybe 10 minutes worth of work over the weekend resulted in about $15,000 cash, cash received, not even total, just from, you know, like not so super psyched, like personality. And like, I was just, but the decision was rooted in pleasure. The decision, it was rooted in love. It was rooted in service. It was rooted in creativity. So I have so many more questions for you, but we're also at the hour mark. So let me just, let me just ask you this because I want to know, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people who have been following you in the last like year or two. And I know there's obviously a slew of new people who are, um, that I'm very grateful that they discovered you because you're amazing. Uh, your business has absolutely exploded in the last year. Like, I don't know what the percentage is. You share them every now and then it's like in the hundreds percent, maybe like by the end of the year, it'll be like a thousand something percent. (laughs) I've literally watched it happen in front of my eyes. Like what the fuck happened? What are your secrets? How did it happen? What do you think is the result of that? Is it from getting cleared from RRT? Is it like a new tactic that you, um, started implementing it? Is it like a strategy? Like what, what was it for you? Well, I'm never stressed anymore. So I have a lot of extra time on my hands because those two hours a day that I told you before that I was spending moving pain and pressure so I could get into my purpose. I don't have to do that anymore because of the work that I've done with RRT. So now I just wake up and I'm like, what occurs to me to do? And I go straight into purpose. So I have two hours every day for the whole rest of my life back because of RRT. And if something comes up, I just book a session or I yeah. RRT by myself. I've done so much myself now that I understand the process, but if I can't get it done myself, then I'll book a session and I'll have somebody else do it for me. Oh, Usually Dr. Yeah. Connolly, <laughs> <laughs> our, our one and only favorite that we just want to adopt us. I listen to your podcast with him and you're like, he's going to come over to my house for Christmas. I was like, we are sharing custody. <laughs> <laughs> I literally every every session that I've ever done with him I'm like are you prepared for a business explosion because honestly it is coming here. I don't like it's already here but also here. like I need you to understand that 2023 is going to be the best year of your life and it's just going to be the beginning just and he's like he's like you're so kind you're so nice I'm like it's not kind and nice it's the he truth get it. Sure. Get it. <laughs> well what happened you guys is like like the universe delivered this brilliant man who's a terrible marketer, but like he's yeah. the most genius person I've ever met at his craft yeah. on the planet. Like yeah. remarkable, obviously. Like he made my dad like alcohol now feels as appealing as piss in 60 minutes or 90 minutes or whatever. Like that's pure fucking sorcery, right? And also he's a, just a terrible marketer. Uh-huh. And such <laughs> so a sweet like, man. <laughs> like just a sweet little man who just wants to help the whole world. He doesn't charge enough. And that's why Catherine and I are in his life because yeah. we are sharks with our good pricing. <laughs> Raise <laughs> your prices. Excellent marketers. <laughs> <laughs> excellent marketers. Okay. So yes, RT has been the foundation of everything. So obviously I have so much more time on my hands. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't use it all for business, but here's two really like fundamental tips that I work with every single day. And this goes back to the pressure over pleasure pleasure is I only make decisions that feel like pleasure pleasure. If it feels like pressure, I either move the pressure and then I reevaluate the decision or I choose no, or like it just pauses, but I will not make a decision from pressure. 
I am so fierce about this. It drives my team crazy. And I know you and I have had discussions of like, won't they get mad if like they have to wait for us? They'll wait (laughs) because here's what happens. Think of it like, think of it like a slide of life where you have this long ass slide that could be super fun. And when you are sometimes like the, the slide is like swirls and it's like steep and it's fun. And like, and then all of a sudden it comes to a part where it's like kind of slow and it's not very steep this is an opportunity to kind of pause and look around, but people panic and they're like, it shouldn't be slow right now. I should know I should be moving. I should be doing things because they've been in such like a high velocity for a little bit. And then they're doing like that weird, awkward crab crawl across the slide that nobody wants to do. And they're getting like slide burn on their hand and stuff like that. And I'm just like, I'm not down for that version of life anymore. I'm just going to sit here and wait till I get the fast part again, because I know the universe is about to drop me off over that cliff and that's going to be super fun because I exist with this way. I let my team too. And we all get to honor the seasons of speed and slow and we get to just appreciate them for what they are. And so they know that if I'm in a season of like pause or slowness, or if something doesn't feel right or correct, that it is more based off of intuition and the overall view of the slide is going to be an epic, epic journey for all of us. And we don't have to force any single part of it. Mm. So we all get to live this way. It's not just like me at the top. Who's like, I just get to live this like magical, cool life. And you guys all get to, you know, watch me tell you to <laughs> yeah, w- watch me and then see what I say. <laughs> watch me then try to be me. Oh my God. I could talk to you. I mean, already I talk to you every day, but I could literally, we could do this episode forever. And I know there's going to be multiple parts to this. It can already feel it. It's in the works. It's in the manifestation vortex as we speak. Um, Where can people find you, work with you, maybe shout out one of your programs or a couple of them or whatever you have open right now. Share with us. So the program that's the most useful for anyone, if you have a nervous system and you ever feel stress, my program regulate is all rooted in RRT. And it's basically like the intro entry level program to start using RRT in your life. I keep it priced at three ninety nine. We have a payment plan and, um, it is like the easiest barrier to entry to actually start regulating your nervous system. Um, I have so many, so many amazing testimonials from that program of people saying like, God, I've been working through this stuff for like 10 years Mm -hmm. and now using regulate, like I just, it doesn't occur to me to be stressed out about it anymore. One person used it in bid panic, panic attack. She was on her floor in her bathroom. I just learned about this the other day and she turned on regulate and she backed herself down from a panic attack. And look, when I'm stressed, sometimes it doesn't even occur to me to use the tools that I know how to use. hundred percent. Yeah. So like, I sometimes forget where I'm resourced and I have to have people remind me like, use this tool. And I'm like, oh, duh, of course. So, like I tell people that all the time. <laughs> the fact that she was in mid panic attack and knew where she was resourced. She I was still had so... energy in her brain. Yeah. Like she yeah. was still strategic. That's crazy. That's she insane. Strategy. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, wow, that really speaks volumes to you. So I wouldn't say that like regulate is a cure for panic attacks. I can't say that by any means. And it's not designed for that. But the fact that she knew where she was resourced and she used that as a way to back herself down is amazing. So the intention is, is that we use a lot of time to deflate the pressure of stress in our life. 
and regulate is intended to decrease that time. So like I said, I used to go from like two hours a day, you know, um, doing all of my rituals, my breath work, my meditation, so I could move that pressure and pain regulate is designed to help start dialing that down for you. And then of course, use it in tandem with um, actual RRT sessions because a digital program can only do so much. So I know you really need a therapist to go in there and do, but it can do a fucking lot. That is, yeah. that is my number one thing where I'm like, if everybody just did regulate my whole heart would be so happy. And it's for everyone, <laughs> right? Like not just entrepreneurs, not yep. just any specific person. Anyone. It's for anyone. Okay. That's perfect. And your Instagram is love underscore Andrea Crowder. Um, you guys could go to my website, andreacrowder.com. There's nothing really interesting on there. <laughs> I don't use my website very much. Um, my, my whole digital program library is on the website. If you guys want to go creep on that as well. But, um, yeah, if you were to start with me and you've never been in my world, regulate would be the place to start. That is where um, I agree. You will feel such like a Dr. Connell always speaks to like, how can I cause the fastest change? Like a genuine shift in someone in like in a single meeting with them. That was the intention that I put into regulate is if people only listen to one episode, could I cause a transformation in them in a single episode? I believe I did that with regulate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember listening to regulate. I think it was my first program of yours that I took. Um, I bought it like around my launch time. And then I remember, I will never forget. I was listening. I was swimming in this big pool in this like mansion that we rented for our launch. And I think my launch just ended and I started playing regulate and I'm like, what language is she speaking? I've never, (laughs) I've never heard of this before. Like, what is she doing? She's having these visualizations of imagining some man like in front of me in a classroom and he's like saying something (laughs) funny and like in the weird. And I'm like, what am I doing here? And then I would just, I, I kept going and I kept going and I'm like, wow, this is really powerful. This is really cool. And I'm like, wait a second, is this this RRT thing that she keeps sending me? Cause you've been trying to convert me for the last year. Like since I met you at your house, you've been sending me videos. And I don't think I ever got around to them. And I think it just speaks uh-huh. to the, the fact that like, you'll find it when you're ready for it. And that's yeah. also a message for me as well. When I keep telling my friends, I'm like, just book a session. Like I promise I you, you can afford it. Just do it. Okay. Um, Oh my gosh, Andrea, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your brilliance, your wisdom, your energy with us. Like this has been one of my favorite interviews. Your story is so inspiring. And just like the way that you think about things, like it's just, it's, it's incredible. Hi, this is Lorelai, COO of The Unruly Entrepreneur. If you want a mini taste of rapid resolution therapy, I highly recommend Andrea's top program, Regulate, a course that is swiftly changing lives like one listener who said, Regulate is like the best damn anti-anxiety non-med fix available. Everyone needs to have this. Thank you for creating something so healing. And another who said, I woke up to the biggest weekly paycheck I've seen in over a year and I was like, wait, That felt easy and seamless. What was different? And immediately I was like, yep, it was Regulate. A hundred percent it was. Head to the show notes to learn more about this life-changing and laid-back program that fills our inbox with stories of relaxed nervous systems. And because you're still listening, we have a top secret 15% off code reserved only for our most unruly listeners. Thanks for listening, friend. We're so glad you're here.